We're going to talk about mosquitoes. Now, unfortunately for all of us, we know mosquitoes are just that's part of life. It's part of life in this part of the world. There's nothing you can do about it. They're going to be here, and uh, we're going to have to deal with them, and we've got strategies to do that. Typically, we rely on cities to help us out with some of the larger-scale spraying and stuff like that, and we know that's not going to happen in all Alberta communities this year, which has led to a lot of discussions. But first of all, let's find out. Is there any way even to predict, you know, what the situation is when it comes to mosquitoes? We're going to chat now with Mike Jenkins, who is, we just call him the bug guy, Edmonton's bug guy. He's fabulous. We love talking to him. He knows everything about bugs. He works for the city of Edmonton, uh, and we're delighted he could join us now. Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. So when we take a look at this, is it possible, like sitting here, you know, mid-April to say, boy, we're going to have a bad year for mosquitoes. Can you get that, you know, pulled back and, and take a look at it, or do you need to wait until the conditions really develop? You really do need to wait until conditions develop. Uh, our mosquito populations in particular are largely floodwater species, yep. so they're developing following any precipitation event. Uh, so we can have a really dry spring, uh, and then if we get a wet May or June, uh, we get mosquito hatching from those downpours, and we get uh, large numbers of mosquitoes, so it's really impossible to predict more than about a week in advance. Now, typically, uh, and, I've, and I've checked, and I think it's just about every major municipality in Alberta, uh, goes about trying to handle things this time of year, maybe a little into May, something like that, with large-scale spraying programs. Talk about those for a second. When we target them with pesticides, what are we doing? It's it's a larvicide, right? Yes. So uh, the mosquitoes start out in an aquatic larval stage. Uh, they're in very temporary habitats where there's very little else developing in those habitats. Um, so we target those uh, conditions when they're in very discrete uh environmental conditions. Uh, they're not spread out through the entire landscape. Uh, they're just in those uh, ponds. And we uh, reduce their numbers with that larvicide. Uh, the larvicides that we use and are used across Canada uh, are specific to just mosquito larvae and a few other uh, families of aquatic flies, which typically are not found uh, in large numbers in those temporary ponds. Uh, so the uh, larvicide that's used in those locations is pretty much just reducing the mosquito numbers. Uh, and the goal is to reduce those waves of mosquitoes that come after each precipitation event, one of which is actually the melting snow. Uh, so we have a lot of species that develop in that snow melt pools. Yeah. Uh, basically, as soon as it starts melting, uh, they're out there. Even if you go now and break the ice, you'll actually find the larvae developing underneath the water there. Oh, so mosquito season is well underway then. Indeed it is, yeah. <laughs> Now, Mike, these, these pesticides, like you say, is, are they considered sort of I don't want to say universal, but um, it's sort of we're all using the same thing across the country and across North America. This is what's used by everybody, sort of a, a best standard of practice kind of thing? Yes. So this is the, the standard pesticide that's used uh, not just in North America and Europe, but uh, across the world as the primary uh, uh, way of reducing mosquito larvae. Um, there are some other products that are also used for trying to go after the adult mosquitoes, uh, but that's uh, much less effective and uh, affects a lot more of the ecosystem. Uh, you're exposing everything, all the other insects, uh, birds, uh, and wildlife to those pesticides. Yeah. Uh, so we don't use those in Edmonton. Uh, ours is just geared towards the larviciding. Um, now, I know in Calgary and I know in Edmonton that was done aerially right through helicopters, still is in Calgary. They'll still be using helicopters with aerial application. That'll be removed in Edmonton. But there's other ways these larvicides are deployed, right? You actually have people that go into ditches and, and do it manually almost, right? 
Absolutely. So yeah, we still have our uh, roadside ditch and our ground crews are going out there and reducing those uh, larvae in those sites where they're developing. The roadside ditches in particular, practically every mile of road in the, the city and in the surrounding areas has two miles of ditch uh, associated with it. Uh, and those ditch habitats that are specifically designed to hold water for just a few days after any rainfall event are perfect habitats for mosquitoes. And we see large numbers of mosquitoes developing in those, and they're a major source of uh, the mosquitoes that come into the city. Um, so we're still targeting those. Uh, we're still hitting uh, anything that's in ravines, parks, industrial areas along LRT tracks, uh, things like that within the city. Um, because those are both uh, highly productive habitats and are closer to residences, uh, parks, schools, uh, places where people are actually uh, uh, doing the activity, although it's a, a smaller amount of the pesticides and everything we're using, uh, it's a bigger bang for a buck. We're uh, able to get um, a, a pretty effective control of the mosquito population using much fewer pesticides without the aerial program. Hey, Mike, is there any way of knowing, like, I know we, we spray in this area, we spray in outlying areas, we spray in the River Valley, things like that. How far does a mosquito move? Like, if, if you target a mosquito two kilometers outside of the city or where people would, you know, be populating an area. Um, can you be fairly confident that those mosquitoes won't travel in? Like, do we have any idea how far they actually move? Yeah, uh, it depends a lot on the species. So some species don't move very far. There's some in the, the tropical areas that might only move a few meters from where they actually emerge. Uh, but our uh, floodwater species in particular, our main one, uh, Aedes vexans, can actually fly 10 to 25 kilometers. Oh, wow. Um, we've actually done some mark and recapture experiments. We released a whole bunch of uh, fluorescent painted uh, uh, mosquitoes up uh, near Villeneuve and Rivier Cabar, and we were actually able to uh, collect them again a couple days later in traps in the river valley. Okay, you got to explain this. How do you paint mosquitoes, Mike? <laughs> Basically, uh, sort of the same way you kind of do shake and bake chicken. Uh, so we had fluorescent <laughs> paint dust and uh, had some uh, uh, newly emerged mosquitoes and basically shook them in a bag with the, the paint um, dust and uh, ended up with fluorescent pink and orange mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I want to ask you about the alternative strategies that Edmonton has been talking about. And, and I don't want to completely discount these. And I know there's been, I've been a little bit um, goofed on it a little bit. But listen, okay, even if you're in a community where you are continuing to spray, there are things that we can do um, around our properties that will help with mosquito population. But I want to ask you about the effectiveness of bat boxes and dragonflies. First of all, I don't know where you can get a dragonfly or a dragonfly population. Um, yeah, but, uh, we don't actually, we're not intending to buy dragonflies or anything along those lines. Anything you could buy would probably not be native to this area. Anyways, not really what we're uh, intending to do. The The way to encourage the dragonfly populations is by creating the habitat where uh, the dragonfly larvae can develop okay. uh, and um, increase their numbers that way. Uh, so we've been working for many years uh, with uh, what was drainage and is now EPCOR uh, in the development of a lot of stormwater facilities, making them more naturalized, uh, a better habitat for things like dragonflies to develop in with emergent vegetation uh, and the development of uh, prey, things for those. And we've 
found that once you've built that, the dragonflies are able to find it all on their own, and they increase their numbers. So some of these stormwater facilities we go to, we can find five or six different families of dragonflies developing in a lot of these uh, stormwater ponds now. Uh, and so uh, it's continuing those sorts of efforts yeah. of naturalizations and uh, conservation of existing wetlands. Uh, it's a way to uh, increase dragonfly numbers. Um, Bats, we are going to be looking at uh, the potential for uh, putting up bat boxes, seeing if that actually uh, helps to increase their numbers. Uh, but uh, uh, there are a number of those sorts of uh, activities that we're continue, continuing with. Uh, and we've also looked into a lot of other uh, biological controls from uh, brook stickleback and fathead minnows to uh, little predatory worms, uh, one called mesostoma that lives in the same sort of temporary habitats where the mosquitoes develop. Um, so uh, we're doing all sorts of research on biological control. Biological control. All it's the time. a long game, though, right, Mike? I mean, that's that's it not going to help us this year. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the the dragonflies that have been developing for many years. Uh, we don't have hard numbers on exactly yeah. how many, but we definitely see more dragonflies flying around uh, in some areas than uh, uh, we used to. So those numbers seem to be increasing pretty well. And, yeah, we're definitely finding larvae developing in a lot of those ponds. But, yeah, it is a long-term development. Um, in particular, uh, many dragonfly species, it can actually take them three to five years for just that individual to go f- through their larval stages and emerge as an adult. So uh, it's a, a long-term uh, uh, thing. It's not going to uh, be an immediate magic bullet. Um, the other part, the education component, you and I can handle that right now. Um, and I think, you know, there there is valuable information here. But, I, I, you know, in terms of, like, they talk about, hey, if you've got, I don't know, a tire in your backyard and there's water sitting in, mosquitoes can breed. How many mosquitoes are we talking about could actually develop in your yard, Mike? I mean, if you had to ballpark it. Yeah, it, it's really hard to say, uh, especially uh, that didn't used to be a major development site for our mosquitoes in the Edmonton area. But just in the last few years, we've actually had a new species move into the, the region uh, called Culex pipiens, and it does utilize those sorts of habitats. Um, so we just got a, a handful of them um, a couple of years ago, uh, had it verified that it was actually that species. Last year, it was actually our number one mosquito species in all of our traps. Um, so wow. it seems to be becoming well-established and increasing in number. So it's really hard to say exactly how many there are, but it's becoming more and more important for people in their backyards to go and police those sites, take a look at them, empty out uh, anything that's collecting water, any stagnant uh, uh, water, making sure that's refreshed out of uh, uh, bird baths, things like that. Just any uh, standing any water you yeah, might have uh, lying around, get rid of it. Say again? So just any standing water, really, that you might have around yeah, the any, yard? Uh, any standing, well, well uh, standing water that's in uh, uh, sort of a, a natural ecosystem uh, thing might not be producing those uh, sorts of mosquitoes, but uh, definitely worth taking a look at and uh, seeing if there are larvae developing in there. Um, gotcha. Okay. Uh, and uh, screening off uh, things like rain barrels. Uh, stuff like that, and making sure that mosquitoes can't get into it to lay the eggs in the first place can also help reduce them. Okay, last one for you. All things considered equal, we've got Calgary continuing to spray, Edmonton stopping with spray. What kind of a difference do you anticipate that making to mosquito season if the conditions are the same? 50%, 20%, 5%? I mean, how big of an impact does that aerial spraying have, do you think? Yeah, our estimate is that uh, the ditch and ground uh, has about 50% of the efficacy of our overall program. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the other half would have been the aerial program. 
So we are we are expecting to see an increase in those numbers. Uh, we are going to see more of those uh, mosquitoes uh, from the areas that were treated by the aerial program will be coming into the city. But uh, the the stuff closer to the residences near parks, all those uh, we are controlling those with the ditch and ground crews still. Okay, Mike, great information. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. There you have it. Mike Jenkins, who is a biological sciences technician for the city of Edmonton, better known as the bug guy. This is what he does. I mean, he's out there, he's trapping them, he's monitoring them. Uh, he did a presentation to city council after after they had made their decision about what to do, and he sort of walked them through what he just walked us through, probably in more detail, obviously, in terms of what the decision that they've made to suspend the aerial spraying um, from helicopters is going to do. And he was, you know, I, he, he don't, there's some of you saying, oh yeah, he works for the city. What's he? Well, he's pretty accurate. He's saying you're going to have more mosquitoes in Edmonton this year. He's not, he's not towing a company line here, not at all. Uh, and when he talks about the natural remedies, I mean, he's, he, this is what he does. He's a biological sciences guy. So uh, he's been doing that long before city council made their decision and monitoring how it works, but he's not saying it's going to replace things. It's a long game. So Edmonton City Council has made a decision that will have implications. There's no two ways about it. It's going to cause problems uh, for mosquitoes this year. How bad? Really depends. As Mike says, it all depends. If we have a really, really wet spring and summer, it could be a disaster. If we don't, it might not be that bad, but we won't know. We'll have to wait and see.